Welcome to Rewind Cinema, the podcast where we go back in time and randomly select a movie to give our uneducated opinions about. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Gabe Whitehurst. I'm joined by my co-host, the beautiful, the handsome, Matt Morris. Woohoo! Hey, Matty. Hey. What's up? Not much, man. I am just drinking my IPA. <laughs> yeah. Having a good time. How's it treating you? It's good. Nice and hoppy? It's very hoppy. I think it's called carton brewing. I think that's what they're called. Be, I don't know. Be careful. You're going to have some dry mouth for this episode. I need you to have a glass of water nearby. I have water, nearby. too. I have both. I'm I, always prepared. I always enjoy... Uh, I think we both like the IPA. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good breweries in Queens that we yeah. frequent. Yeah. Um, and I always go for the IPA. You, though, tend to go for, like... You, you'll, you'll drink some dirty water every now and then. Uh, like a Pilsner? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Pilsner or just like a, I don't know. The only thing I don't really like are stouts or oh, see, like porters. I like those though. I don't know. Maybe I we just... differ. I just don't like all the bubbles in my belly. Mm, so, yes. you know, sometimes I'll switch to bourbon. But rarely. I do enjoy a nice IPA. Mm-hmm. So It has its place. I, th- I might get up mid-recording and just go take one. I won't, because you'll hear it. But I will, but maybe. You would hear every footstep, every yeah. rustle of the curtains that I have put up. Yes, we we do have some curtains in the studio mm-hmm. apartment. Studio apartment. To block out the refrigerator, <laughs> the air conditioner, the neighbors, the train. Mm-hmm. You're still going to hear things. This is high tech. <laughs> this is high tech. We're flying by the seat of our pants. It's working, though. You know what? I'll say it. We sound good. We do sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, me. Yeah, thanks, Matt. <laughs> thanks, Matt, for offering up your apartment. Of course. Um, Matt, we're talking about a special movie today, a movie that has a lot of positive reviews, a lot of negative reviews. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts about this movie. I'm pretty sure we're both going to have some thoughts about it. Um, so join us as we review the June 1980 film, The Stuntman. How? I've always had a great compassion for your people. Long before it was popular to do so, I felt a repugnance for General Custer. Good God, I don't believe it's breathing. There are some days in which I can't do one thing right. I hope this doesn't fuck up our relationship, you being alive and all. Why didn't you just let me go last night? <laughs> with Nina in the trunk and I have scenes to shoot with her. Okay, this morning, Chuck could have done that stunt. Hmm. I know a man who made an anti-war movie. A good one. When it was shown in his hometown, army enlistment went up 600%. I'm trying to convince the world with my movie there is a reasonable and better way of getting home for Thanksgiving. I'm unable to convince one young, tattooed dummy. Dummy? I couldn't let you go through life. Bananas. Paranoid, thinking I was trying to kill you, could I? Paranoid? Sam, your screenplay has just become relevant again. The young man has named the disease. Oh, yeah? What is it? It's a social disease, quite common. Yeah, like cramps? The clap or what? Close. It's got from screwing your fellow man. All right, so we are talking about a movie that I think is special. Divisive. Divisive, yeah. It's an interesting film. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It's one of those films you have to love or you have to hate. I don't think there's any middle ground. 
I agree. And I yeah. hope I hope people if they haven't found this podcast yet, I hope they'll stumble across it and see that title and go, "Oh, I have some opinions about the stuntman. Mm-hmm. I'm a listen." Cuz I I'd never even heard of this movie. Me either. Uh but I, after we did some research, wow, there's a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just jump into some of our normal stats and information here. Do it. The budget, $3.5 million, Not too shabby. Yeah, especially. The, yeah, for a, yeah. Lot, a, lot of, a lot of stunts in this. It Literally. only, only grossed stunts. about $7 million. Uh, I think it didn't have a very good marketing campaign, and I also think that it's a really niche film. I, that's yes. why it's so divisive. I think you like you have to be into these types of movies. Yeah. And at the time, it wasn't even really like an established genre, really. No. Um, so I think that it suffered because of that. But it still made its budget back, you know, twice. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's and then and then probably in um, DVD. Oh yeah, just because sure. it's such a cult movie now that I think I think they released like a box set recently, yeah. like the last ten years or so. I think with Peter O'Toole's passing, possibly. Um, so the talent, Peter O'Toole, I would think his most well-known role is probably in Lawrence of Arabia. Would you agree? Or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, I love Peter O'Toole. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite actors. He's fantastic. But I, it's weird. I went back and was like, you know, he wasn't in a lot of things that were popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. But uh, yeah. So, yeah. and then, and then I think he's, he's known a lot for this movie. Mm-hmm. Only, but I guess from those people who have actually seen it, because a lot of people haven't seen this movie. It's sort of forgotten. Well, he was nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars. Yeah. Didn't win, but no. it's nominated. Uh, Barbara Hershey, I think, is also somebody else worth mentioning. She's been in a ton of stuff. Um, Black Swan is something I wrote down. Last Temptation of Christ, the Martin Scorsese film. Uh, and then 1114, which is a very, very good movie. Have you never seen that movie? I've never even heard of it. Highly recommend it. It's okay. like about a small town... And it's like five storylines that all function around this 1114 timestamp, which is when a car accident happens in the town. Oh, okay. Really, really good movie. Yeah. And she's in that. She's also in Hoosiers, which is massive, Mm -hmm. and Kung Fu, which... I don't know what that is. Oh, buddy. (laughs) We're going to have some... We might have to review Kung Fu. Kung Fu Panda? (laughs) No. (laughs) You just lost credibility with um, all of our listeners. No, David Carradine, Kung Fu... Anyway... Uh, just watch Kill Bill. Okay, you'll, you'll know what Kung Fu is. I love Kill Bill. Yeah. So, uh, Bar and she's just she is a looker. Mm-hmm. Sorry, darling, but Barbara <laughs> Hershey was beautiful back in 1980. I don't think she would deny it either. No. Uh, some trivia: the film was a dream project for director Richard Rush. The film has frequently been publicized as taking nine years to get to the screen. A uh, novel was written in 1970 didn't come out till 1980 and they didn't even start filming until 1978 i think yeah. um however rush has said on the website whatever this website is and on year 2000 that he the picture took 10 years to make from inception to release seven years to finance and then three years to release it the script was first written in 1970 then the rights were sold uh, the film was shot in 78, and then the post-production was complete in 79, and then the picture had trouble getting distributed until 20th Century Fox picked it up for release in 1980. So this is a long process for Passion this guy. project, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you would want to... You would just give up after a year if you saw yeah. the road ahead. Yeah, and the way I've heard him talk about this movie, which I don't want to really... I don't want to give any thoughts about till the end, but... Um, it was special to him in mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a way. He certainly thinks it's he certainly thinks it's wonderful. 
I like it. <laughs> That's fine. It's good. It's good. I can't wait to talk about it with you. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. go. Well, some ratings here. Oh, 7, sorry. 7.2 on IMDb with 7K ratings. Ebert gave it two stars. And then Rotten Tomato, 89% chance that you will like it. Mm. Okay. Um, and it was nominated for three Oscars, actor, director, and then best screenplay based on other material. So there was a book written in 1970. Did uh, De Niro beat Peter O'Toole? Do you have any idea uh, for Raging Bull? I could not tell you, but possibly. Let me check. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I don't want to. No, I want to know you off here, but I think De Niro won. And I will say, I, I'm not a big fan of this movie. I'll say that off the bat. But Peter mm-hmm. O'Toole is so good. He's very good. He's... Dustin Hoffman won for Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, okay. Okay. Came out the same month as this movie. I think the same week. Nice. Possibly. Okay. Great. Well, I can't argue with that. Yeah. He's Dustin Hoffman. Okay. So yeah, we'll just jump into the the, the plot here. So. There is a uh, guy named Cameron playing pinball at a diner. There's like a little stuff before that, but it's just kind of establishing where they're at. They're in a diner, kind of a scruffy dude. Cameron, I can't remember his name, something rails back. Steve. Steve, Steve rails, rails back, back. Who played a lot of psychos, by the way. Yeah, and he kind of is one in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's playing pinball at a diner. Uh, he's kind of like bumping the machines and stuff, but he's trying to lay low because he knows the cops are after him. Yeah. And these two cops confront him. Um, they cuff him and then he like just runs, like hits one of them and runs away out of the back of the diner. A little bit of a chase scene. Uh, they're shooting at him, all that good stuff. He gets stopped by an electrician and it's actually kind of a funny scene. The guy's <laughs> like, my dad was a Viet or a, a Korean war vet or Korean war vet. Korean war vet. And then, uh, Cameron's like, yeah, my dad was in some world war two or whatever. And then he like punches him and like jabs his throat and then runs yeah. away. It's two guys that are working on a telephone pole. Yeah. Um, and they're in the opening. We don't have to talk about it. No, but, just yeah. the opening scene doesn't really Whatever. matter. But they're in like the first few seconds and then it cuts. So that's how he runs into them in the woods and they try to stop him and he fights the guy and like does a jump over him and runs away. He grabs a tool bag. Yes. He cuts his handcuffs with wire cutters. Um, and then he gets on this bridge. And he's trying to hitchhike. He sees a car coming his way. And then the car, like, stops at the end of the bridge. But it it goes a little bit past him. So he has to, like, catch up with it. And he goes and he gets in. And this guy says, get out of the car, you idiot. And, like, kicks him out of the car. Yeah. Odd. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense later. But, yeah. By the way, why is it in movies that anytime someone hitchhikes, a car, the car drives by them and stops, like, 30 feet in front of them? Probably then, because all of the way they were thinking, am I going to pick this person up or not? And then after they passed him. I mean, that's kind of, I, I would be embarrassed to stop later. I would just keep going. Mm-hmm. You got to pull up alongside the little hitchhiker and let him in your car. But in movies, it's, it's always like 30 feet in front and then they kind of back up and I'm it's like. It's probably easier to shoot. Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But okay. But I, I, I have a question that I'll ask you later. Mm-hmm. You said it's explained later. I have yep. a question about that. He yep. takes him into his car, and then he kicks him out immediately. Yes. You son of a bitch, get out of this car, is what he says. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm quoting. I have a question later. Okay. So he, he kicks him out of the car. Um, he goes up the road and turns around in the car and comes back. And so Cameron is like on his stomach on this bridge, and he thinks he's about to get hit by this car. So he picks up this like loose kind of bolt this big bolt that's on the side of the bridge and yeah. just chunks it at the car it hits the window and the car 
careens off the side of the the bridge but you don't see it it just kind of goes off and it's from cameron's perspective so you don't see it and then he like gets up he looks over and he sees like all these bubbles coming out of the water like Mm -hmm. the water's been disturbed um and he kind of looks around and all of a sudden this helicopter just comes into frame (laughs) which i I watched it twice so i watched it yeah a few days ago and then i watched it again this morning and I remember the first time thinking that it was really weird. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, what is happening? That's why, that's the only reason I'm laughing because yeah. there's a very creepy Peter O'Toole just staring at Steve mm-hmm. Railsback out of this helicopter. Just, I mean, just staring at him. Yeah. And so I was like, what on earth? This yeah. is so odd. <laughs> um, which is the whole film, really, but continue. Uh, so it pans out and you can see all of these crew members on the ground. So you can tell that you see cameras too. So you can see that it's a movie. It's a movie set. Yeah. And uh, the score is playing, which I know you didn't like, but oh, I like the score. I hated I like the score because it had a certain amount of whimsy that I think the film needed. It's stuck in your head. That's the action part. But here's my thing about... See, I want to talk about my final thoughts now, but I can't. <laughs> but the score is all over the place. Yeah. In the opening of the movie, you hear this cheesy, like, vaudevillian banjo music. And it's just like, is this a comedy? And they film it like a comedy. Some weird slapstick stuff That's happens. I We're going to get there. <laughs> and you're going to say I don't get it. And blah, blah, blah. But then... <laughs> As soon as the cops arrest him, which we just mentioned, and he runs away, it's... And it changes to this crazy, cheesy action music. I don't know how you can like that music. It's so cheesy. But I remember it, so you've got a point. I don't want to stick on it for too long, but I will say that it does have like a certain amount of whimsy that the film also has that I think is good for it. Yes. Um, So he... uh, he, the helicopter's there. The helicopter's he, there. And he tries to escape, and it sort of cuts him off two or three times. Yeah, and then it cuts to him making some jorts. Lots of jorts He in the gets 80s. away from the helicopter and cuts his mm-hmm. jeans off. Because he's just trying to fit in. I guess, people. <laughs> yeah. So he's on this boardwalk area in, I think, I guess they're in L.A. Um, and so he's he makes these jorts. He goes on the boardwalk. He shops for a hat, puts this hat on a girl. It's kind of a weird little scene. Just, just establishing that he's trying to lay low. Um, and then he sees another, or the same film, another scene being filmed on the beach near where he is. And there's like all these planes flying by, all these dudes. And you can tell that it's kind of like World War One esque mm-hmm. like the planes and, and World the War outfits I, they're wearing. War movie, uh, soldiers on the beach. And they're filming a, a, a scene where a plane is flying by and shooting up the beach and, and blowing people up. and Yeah. And there's tons of people watching, so he sort of stands in the crowd and just watches. Yeah, and there are some explosions, and and then the, uh, I guess, the assistant director, whoever's taking charge at this moment, it's not Peter O'Toole, but it's somebody under him is like, all right, everybody, stay quiet. We're going to film this scene now. And then they do this big war scene where a plane goes by, shoots some stuff, and then there are some explosions, and there's, like, body parts and people flying everywhere. And then, yeah, there's smoke everywhere, and when the smoke clears, all the actors on the beach are just dead. Yeah, they have, like, all their guts out and everything, <laughs> yeah. and everyone that's watching, there's, like, 50 people, 60 yeah, people watching. horrified. They all start screaming, and they're all like, get a medic, all these people are dead, and you see all these guys, like, writhing in pain on the ground, and then they cut. They say, the director says, cut. 
And then all these guys like come out of the sand. They had all these prosthetics on and stuff. Yeah, everyone applauds and yeah. oh, we, they they fooled us. It's a really a nice scene that I think establishes the tone of the film, which is like, is what's real, 100%. what's not. One hundred percent. Is this a movie? Is it it's, not? It's the first time the movie tries to misdirect you, mm-hmm. and it does that the whole time. Yeah. Because even I was watching, and I thought, I thought they were dead. Yeah, the first time I, I was like, the. There's no way, first of all, there's no way actors, they wouldn't do that in one shot, right? Mm-hmm. They would cut and place people and then yeah. film it. And so that's pretty much wrong in terms of being realistic. Yeah. But the movie does it and you're like, holy crap, maybe that, maybe the director's nuts and he just killed a bunch of people. Yeah. But no, of course, they're alive and they're fine and mm-hmm. everyone claps. And then Steve Rausbach sees, I, I don't want to cut you off in your, your no. description, but he, he watches, he's like sort of shaken by this he's a vietnam vet he's already Mm -hmm. sort of just paranoid about everything and he sees the guy down on the beach who ran who tried to run him over on the bridge Mm -hmm. it's who he thinks it is yeah but it's not it's the actor who is the star of the movie the guy on the bridge was his stunt double yeah so he thinks that he's like hey hey you he thinks it's the guy who tried to kill him and the guy doesn't recognize him and he walks off Mm -hmm. and at that point an old woman or so we think, walks up to the actor and says, can you sign this? Both of my, my husband and my son died in the war, and he seems very touched. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign that. And so she walks off, and it cuts to like her in this kind of like rocky area near the beach, and she's like, I don't know why she's going up on the rocks, but <laughs> yeah, she that is. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But... And, and she like opens her umbrella and like falls out in the water, and Cameron... Steve Rails back, the guy who escaped everything, he he chases after her, he goes in the water, he brings her up, and then she starts peeling off these prosthetics. She starts peeling off her face. Yeah. And it's uh it's Barbara Hershey, it's Nina, who is a commercial actor for the most part, trying to get into film in the context of the yes. movie. You actually see her in the first scene of the movie up on a TV. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't know no, I didn't miss that. Yeah, okay. she's in the first scene in the commercial in that diner. Um so they have a laugh. He recognizes her. I've seen you on TV. And, yeah, yeah, I've seen you in commercials on TV and all that stuff. And she says, hey, you should just carry me out of the water because I've never been like saved or whatever. I've never been rescued. It's fun. Why not? There's yeah. a really nice exchange where he says, uh, it's just like the movies. And she says, I am the movies. Yeah. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. Very good writing. Um, and then he brings her out of the water. Uh, Nina confronts Eli, Peter O'Toole, the director of the film. And she says, you didn't even see my makeup. Uh, he sends her away. He says, I'm going to see you in makeup before dinner. And you can tell they have kind of a playful, friendly relationship Yeah. Um, that comes into play later in the film. And then she thanks Cameron for saving her. Yes, and she exits. And she Ex- leaves. Exempt. She leaves. And then um, Peter O'Toole, uh, Eli Cross, he s- signals to Cameron. And he's like, hey, you need to stay here. Because he, he looked like he was about to like walk away. And so they have a conversation, and it's become apparent that Eli knows that he was on the bridge yeah. and knows that he basically caused his stunt double to die. Yeah, um, in the, the water. This, at this point, it's revealed that that guy d- is dead. Yeah, he's dead. Bert was his name. Yeah, because Cameron's known as Bert. Yeah, for he the rest be, of the movie. yeah he, be, he becomes so. Eli um, lets him know. I know it was you, basically on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Why are you? Uh, the, I guess he knows he's running from the cops, but I don't remember why. 
He he knows because he said that the way that he was like running from the wind, and he said your jewelry, which was his cuffs. his handcuffs. He's, yeah, because he still cuffs. has the the two around his wrist, just not the chain. Yeah, he breaks them off before this point, but he yeah. had them when he was on the bridge. Yeah, so he basically says, the, the, and as they're talking, the cops roll up, mm-hmm. and they are livid. They're so angry at Eli, the chief of police. I don't know if that's who it is, but it's a detective, a, a cop who's a little he, he's in charge. Mm-hmm. He's like. You're gonna get out of this town. We have we have a dead guy in a river, and you know how can you even? He's just livid that this crazy director let this happen, and so seizing the the opportunity, uh, Peter O'Toole says, "Well, he he's right here," mm. and he points to Cameron and you know explains that he's not dead. He's he's right here. He didn't die, and so the cop is, oh okay, misled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cop Jake. Jake. Um, yeah, he he's he kind of inspects him and he says, "How'd you get out of that car?" Yes. In the water. You went under you went underwater. How'd you get out? And and then Cameron just kind of like shrugs his shoulders and then Eli covers for him. I can't remember exactly what he says. Yeah. But he's trying to pawn Cameron off as Burton now. So that's established. He wants him to be the stunt double in his film now. Um But yeah, so he says you're obviously hiding from the cops. You take his place. Mm-hmm. You stay here for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh and we'll both we'll both benefit. Because he would get totally in trouble if an actor just died. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so there's definitely some reciprocation there, but later on you kind of see why he kept him around. Yeah. Or if you don't follow the film, then you don't <laughs> know why he did it. So I, <laughs> I can see both sides. Um, and um, Cameron has some reservations about doing it, but Eli basically blackmails him and says, hey, you you killed a guy and you're on the lam. You're on the run from the cops, so you better do it because I could expose you. We cut to... Um, Steve Rails back, Cameron, Bert. Bert now, now. now his name is Bert, Bert in the context of the movie. Um, he's getting a makeover, and he has, like, sandy blonde hair now. His beard is shaved. His unibrow is gone for a little bit, but it comes back. <laughs> the best unibrow <laughs> yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he looks like he's straight out of just the mountains of West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no offense so- to those people, but, <laughs> you know. So, in case anyone's listening, the mountains of West Virginia right now. Um, so, he gets a makeover. He looks more like a leading man now. Um, and then the hairdresser's kind of flirting with him. It's also established that the lead actor in the film is kind of like territorial about the people who portray him. So, you can kind of see how he might be like a roadblock for him at some point, even yes. though he never really is. Um, and then... Eli preps the lead actor, his name is Raymond, um, for a shot in the film. And so he's like this war general, um, American war general. And then he's going to walk through these dead bodies and then they actually play a prank on Eli. So like this hand is in the ground and Eli says, all right, the hand comes out and it turns and then the middle flinger, the middle, middle flinger, the middle flinger, the middle flinger and finger, uh, both expand and it's a, like a balloon and it says like Eli's joint or something and it explodes. They're and shooting. Then, yeah. They're shooting a, a scene and yeah, they're and, shooting a scene in the movie. Yeah. And then Eli kind of freaks out and he's like, Oh, he starts laughing. And then Raymond comes over and like shakes him. It's like, I got you. I'm playing a joke on you. And then, whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Not that important, but yeah. <laughs> and then Bert kind of comes out from the side, and like he's dressed the same way as Raymond, and like his scarf kind of flows in the wind. <laughs> and uh, they meet each other for the first time. So now Raymond knows that Cameron is being played off as Bert by yes, Eli. Yes. Confusing so far. I but. didn't know if he even 
I guess he probably did, but I, I didn't even know if he really recognized it. It's sort of to me, I got the vibe that he hadn't met his stunt double. No, he knew him okay. because he says, "Is this my new?" Uh, is my I got a uh, quote here? Cock and balls is what he says. Okay, my new. So I, I thought he just was like he hadn't met the guy yet, and so he assumed. But no, but he that's, knew him. that's good. That adds another layer if he knew who his old one was. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone pretty much knows who Bert was. Yeah, the the cat, the crew, and cast have to kind of accept it and go along with it. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to have their paycheck stopped. Yeah, right. Um, so. It cuts to another scene, and Cameron's skill is like being assessed by what I guess is the fight choreographer. He's like the lead stunt man. Yeah, I yeah. don't really know, but he's like in charge of all the stunts. And who who is a real stunt man in in real life? Oh, the, cool. the actor who played him, I forgot his name, but uh, it's Chuck something because it's the same in the movie. Yeah, Chuck, they, they er, go th- Bert. Bert. Chuck. Chuck. Bert is the guy. <laughs> Bert is the first stuntman. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this movie, but they go through like a montage of him teaching him mm-hmm. how to be a stuntman, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is quirky and kind of funny, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's going to be this big sweeping shot on this rooftop. Yes. Um, and he's like, in the context of the movie, he's like running away from these um, Germans. Germans. And uh, he has to like make this jump from this platform and he has to hang on to this like. Like the the, the, le- the ledge gutter. of a roof, uh, gutter, yeah, and make this death-defying jump. And anyway, there's it's just a, a sequence where he's sort of getting taught how to be a stunt man by this guy, and the guy's patient and kind and teaches him, and mm-hmm. sort of funny. And um, he's he uh, is on this roof teaching him how to hang, and he kind of slips and like <laughs> lassos Steve Rails back and pulls him up, and he's like, "You moron! You know, the yeah, stuntmen are professionals. They." But then he gets let in on the fact that stuntmen make six hundred dollars a stunt or six fifty a stunt, mm-hmm. and then Railsback is in. Yeah, he, he's not wary anymore. He's like, "Oh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money." So he's in at this point, but you can tell he's obviously scared to do these types of things. Um, the next scene is a big gathering, like a dinner, and it has like all of the creatives and all of the stars in the movies. So like. Barbara Hershey's there, Nina, the girl who was dressed up as an old woman, mm-hmm. the main guy, Raymond, Cameron's there, the screenplay writer is there, uh, Eli Cross is there, and then some other people. In, at, in Within the context of the film, I guess this was just explaining kind of like Eli's relationship with the screenwriter and kind of his relationship with Hollywood. He was saying like, nobody's going to cut my stuff because like I'm important, but they might cut your stuff because your stuff isn't good and... Kind of just establishing that he's basically like God of like film. Of film. He, yeah. he thinks he is for yeah. sure. Um, so it, it's a pretty long scene, but I don't want to go too in depth into it because it's just like, it's a lot of like really deep kind of stuff that I think we'll get into later. Um, and then Jake comes in the chief of police. So he comes in and he hands a picture uh, to Cameron and he says, we're looking for this guy. Have you seen him? And so that's kind of juicy because he's yeah, the guy they're looking the for. Yeah, he's the guy that they're looking for. And he just says, no, I've, I've never seen him and hands the papers back and everyone kind of looks at them and everyone starts to recognize, oh, the cops are after yeah. this guy. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> scary, right? Yeah. And he looks scary. Like he looks like he could go off in any second. Yeah. But he looks different than the sketch a little bit. Yeah, because he had like buzzed hair. Like, the he was the just... dumb cop didn't pick up on it. So that's all that matters that they, mm-hmm. they didn't know it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, so after dinner, Cameron is thinking about running away. He packs his stuff and like heads outside. And then you see Nina 
the hairdresser, Raymond, and some other guy like come in from a night of drinking, I guess. Having a few laughs. They're all drunk. They're having some laughs. They walk into the front door, which was very nice because earlier in the film when Eli is explaining like the film business and what it can do for Cameron to him, he like points at this window or this opening. He's like, in there are all of your dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's like this ornate window. And the same window later, you see Barbara Hershey's Hershey character through Nina. the window. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you can tell that Cameron wants to be yeah. with Nina he, at this point. He likes her. Yeah. So he still, I think, is going to walk away, but she comes out behind him and they kind of have like a little scene. They go up on this balcony. And apparently, this hotel's like a really famous hotel in Los Angeles. Yeah. It was in, uh, I think it was in Some Like It Hot. Um, I forgot the name of the hotel. But it, it's a beautiful um, setting. And so they're filming there. And I, I don't know if they're, I guess they're staying there too. I don't know. But mm-hmm. this is when they go up on the balcony and. Yeah. And they start to just like talk about their fears and stuff. And they have a kiss. And then all of a sudden these lights, spotlights come up. And Eli comes down, has a little crane. And they're, <laughs> they say they're setting up lighting for the shots that are coming up. Yeah. So it's another part of this movie that sort of jolts you out of what's, mm-hmm. what's happening. They're up on this bal- this really really high. Oh oh he he so he he takes her up there mm-hmm. to show her the stunt that he has to do. That's why they go up there and um, they start to kiss and then these spotlights hit them and it's Eli and he says something to them and they play full back and forth, ha ha ha. But you mentioned Eli's crane. Can we just pause and talk about <laughs> that for a second? <laughs> I do love Eli's crane. It's a character on its own. God, it is. It's so ridiculous. It's great. I mean, but. We haven't really talked about it. So the whole the whole time he's filming, Eli uses this elaborate, futuristic robot chair that is connected to a crane that flies him around wherever he wants to go. I mean, and it 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 it's kind of like goes high. I yeah, mean, it, they do several shots from it's the very cra- tall crane, very tall crane from the from the chair of him elevated above the set. But what's funny that's not intentional, like I don't think, is just that he. He drops in in this crane just all the time. Yeah, out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and this stupid crane man is just all—it's everywhere. He's in this crane chair all the time. It is there to illustrate his omnipotence, his power. Yeah, yeah right. He's this because one of the themes director. in the movie is like, is he God? Is he the devil? Is he mm-hmm. what is he? Like right. he's because later in the scene, they come down from the balcony. And uh, Nina says to Eli, I can't shower. Like, I have to look in the drain because I don't know if you're watching me. Yes. So, like, yes. that's a constant kind of thread throughout the movie. Like, how much control does he have over these people? What is he going to do? How much is he going to endanger uh, Cameron's life? Like, yeah. It's a, I think it's a really nice through line. Um, and so Eli takes Cameron up in his crane and shows him that the cops are still looking for him. Like they have roadblocks and stuff in the area because mm-hmm. Cameron was going to leave. But yeah. Eli knows. Yeah, of course he knows. Eli knows yeah. that. Right. And so he was like, well, you, you can't leave. So we're going to be leaving here in three days. You can come with us because we're going to go film in another location. And Cameron's like, all right, I'll, I'll be there. Um, and so then it cuts to the next day and they're actually filming Cameron's chase scene which is a very long but I think entertaining chase scene across the top of this hotel, him running from all these Germans. Long, long stunt sequence. That's yeah. kind of the movie's kind of known for that. Mm-hmm. At least that part. It's known for a lot of things, but that's a big 
big part of this movie. Yeah, bullets being shot at him, planes flying by, all these guys trying to grab him. And it's on it, it's on the roof of the hotel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's not fake. Like it's they shot it running across the rooftop of this hotel in various various spots, jumping into windows and out of them and people are falling off the roof and mm-hmm. getting shot and it's it's like a 15 minute sequence at least. I mean, it's, it's yeah, pretty elaborate. Yeah. And and what I like about the scene is it doesn't really show cameras throughout it. Like it just seems like it's a scene in the movie. Right, in, like in a, a movie. Like yeah. it's a continuous shot, which would never be shot that way in real life. Right. But it further adds to it when later he gets hit in the face with a gun butt by Chuck, the fight choreographer leader. He pushes him off the building. He pushes Chuck off the building. Yeah. And he falls into like a big... The big air pad Air pad. And he like into. grabs a joint and starts smoking and he looks <laughs> yeah, up at him. Yeah, he's like easiest... Yeah. I don't know, he says some funny line. Piece of cake. Yeah. But it, it again, an attempt to misdirect you, uh, Chuck hits him in the face with a rifle. Mm-hmm. And you think, I thought it was real. Yeah. Because the way Railsback plays it, which is smart, he's this paranoid guy and he... It's like he got more than he bargained for with this big stunt, mm-hmm. which is after this big stunt, it's his begin. It's the beginning of his very like he's very wary of Eli. Mm-hmm. Is like is this? Am I in? Am I gonna get hurt? So he gets hit in the face. He pushes him off the the ledge of this really really high like balcony, and then I kind of uh, the the movie just is meant to misdirect you. Yeah. And you look over the ledge, and of course he's laughing, and he's on a pad smoking a, a yeah. cigarette or a joint. And so you know, you know he is safe. But before yeah, that, you didn't. You didn't. And Railsback is kind of taken aback by it. And then he sees Chuck, and Chuck's like, "Go! Don't stand there, you moron!" Just, mm-hmm. And so he then he continues and runs and finishes the stunt. And we're getting to that. Yeah, he grabs on to the rail he was told about earlier and falls back into a brothel. And so he rolls down these stairs. There's all of these German people that kind of come out, and you think, oh, they're going to hurt him. But no, they're just having a good time in there, and they just, like, strip off all of his clothes. And, like, carry him parade-style, like, crowd-surf him. Uh-huh. And then the scene cuts, and you can tell that Cameron is, like, freaked out. Like, he has some PTSD or something. Do you think he knew that that was going to happen? No, because Chuck he says didn't. later he wants it to be... Like, Eli wants it to be spontaneous. Right, so he thought the stunt was over... I don't know, but uh, crashing when he fell through, through the, the glass. Yeah, and then yeah, they, and then they film a scene where all these people are partying and they they mess with him, and and then he's he's really upset. Afterwards. Yeah, and he confronts Eli. He's like, "What are you thinking? Doing all these things to me? Like I could have been killed." And Eli's like, "Don't worry about it, man. Like just, just a go movie, with it. man." Yeah, yeah. Um, we cut to the next scene. They're watching their dailies, which are like what they film that day. They're just rewatching it. Uh, in film form on like a projector. Yeah. Um, and then Cameron comes in and sits next to Nina because at this point you can tell they're kind of like not boyfriend and girlfriend, but they're they're yeah. like they're they like each other. Yeah, they like each other. And she gets up and moves away from him, so he comes back to her, and she's defending Eli. She's saying like you shouldn't have stood up to him like that. He's a great man. He would never try to hurt you. Yeah. And Cameron's like, well, I just don't know if he is but Eli's in the back constantly telling Nina to be quiet and then he just kicks her out of <laughs> yeah. the dailies at some point you can leave now yeah so it's, it's sort of funny I guess she's defending him and then he kicks her out so mm-hmm. yeah uh, then Eli keeps asking a screenwriter for like more scenes that are absurd because they filmed a, like a crash scene of this plane and they have to refilm it because it looked really weird or something I guess and um, Eli was talking to a scriptwriter, and he's like movies are movies because they're absurd and they're more than life. So we need to like 
not make this so serious and have some scenes. So he wants Cameron to do like the Charleston <laughs> on the wings of this plane because he knows he's going to die. Right. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he wants a scene where Cameron is on the wing of a plane and he does the Charleston. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about the movie that Eli is directing, the movie mm-hmm. within the movie. And it just makes me question, like, if Eli is all that Eli thinks he is. Yeah. I'm like, you're making... The movie you're making sounds totally stupid. Uh-huh. Like some slapstick comedy about World War One. It just seems so silly. Yeah. But, and, I, and I, again, it's not the movie's job to even tell us a, who cares, but I'm just... But if you listen to the way people talk about the film, it's obvious that people, like, in the context of the film, like that film. Because yeah. the screenwriter said that he wrote a scene where... Uh, the main character like falls into like a den of like what he called crazies. Yeah. It's like mentally unstable people that like start like tearing them apart basically. And he said like, Oh, in that scene, my son shook my hand for the first time. We love that scene. But you add a scene where a guy falls into a brothel and everyone thinks you're amazing. Hmm. And because Eli then says, well, because you never know if the enemy is just some horny guy in a brothel. Yeah. Like okay. he, he makes things relatable to All people, right. I guess. Okay. So I think they I think they do explain that he's at least respected by the people that are working for him. Oh yeah. I agree with yeah. that. I agree with that. But and and whatever. We're talking about the actual movie. So yeah. not the movie within <laughs> the movie. <laughs> it does get kind of confusing. It's hard to explain this. Like I found myself I watched it a second time and I got so much more out of it. Like it's okay. It, it's like the matrix or it's like eternal sunshine. It's like, you have to watch it a few times to really understand exactly what's happening. And twice, I still don't know exactly what's happening, Yeah, but I feel like I have a better grasp. I need it. to watch it. I, I will confess. I only saw it once. So mm-hmm. I need, I am due to, to rewatch it. Um, so they, they film this other stunt. <clears throat> Cameron does his Charleston on the wing. Uh, the plane explodes and then it cuts to a scene of him and, uh, Nina doing it, uh, essentially. Well, the, um, the plane starts to crash, and again, it misdirects you. You think, oh yeah, you, you think it's crashing, and and then it it does this a lot. It cuts to a scene, so something is happening. There's action occurring, and then there's a cut, and you think you're in the same scene, but you're not. You're in a different scene. So it cuts, although it is, I guess, the same in this instance. They're up, they're on a prop, like a fake plane, and the plane is spinning, and Cameron is suspended, and he's hanging yeah. <laughs> onto the wing as if the plane is crashing, and so you think it. I don't know. Again, they like make you think they're actually up in the air because you see the plane take off mm-hmm. with him standing on the wing. Yeah, and then they cut to them crashing, but it's it's a set and uh, people are screaming and but then it's like, oh, he's he's totally safe. He's just suspended by wires. And so, anyway, I just didn't want to miss that point. It, it's another misdirection. Yeah, good point. Sequence there. I didn't have so. that in my notes for some reason. But then they skip and they are they're in the room. They're making, in the room making love. They're making love. Um, and then there's like a an interaction between them where this alarm is going off and like he <laughs> sorry <laughs> indie productions here man sorry guys i'm just goofy i hit my phone on the desk okay we're good um so the alarm an alarm goes off and and they start kissing again but she keeps asking him to turn it off but he, he treats it it's like it's weird. Eli's voice or something, it's or like weird. watching them. I will admit, I don't understand that scene. I at don't all. understand. The alarm goes off. She turns it off, and he gets up and turns it back on. He's like, "This is Eli's voice just yelling over us, and we have to 
overcome it. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't understand that scene. Okay. I will be the first to say that. All right. I'm sure it means something. I'm sure it's connected somewhere. I'm going to give the screenwriter the benefit of the doubt. Um, it cuts the next scene, and Sam, the screenwriter, is talking to Eli, and he just wants him to let Cameron go because he's like, you're going to kill this kid, and he's anyway, he's a criminal, so he should just be gone. And he kind of prods him a little bit and says, like, why do you want him around? Like, does he make you, like, complete? Like, how do you feel about him? And Eli's like, well, I mean, yeah, true. And then he's like, well, you don't mean that. And he's like, yep, you're right. So he's just <laughs> he's telling him what he wants to hear. Right. Um, and then it cuts to the next scene. And Chuck, the fight choreographer, and Cameron are watching this the footage of Bert dying. Oh, the the real footage. The real footage. Yes. Yeah, so, like... They're watching that to prep him for the, the stunt because he's he going to do the do. same stunt that Bert died in. Right. Um, and then it cuts short just before Bert like actually dies, and Chuck explains that somebody took their finger off the filming trigger. Yes, and uh, stopped. Yeah, just because they didn't want somebody to die. Uh, that comes back in later, but that's just kind of all he tells him for now. Um. Now, can I ask my question at this point? Yes. Did, so. I missed it, mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I will confess. When the original stuntman kicks Cameron out of the car, mm-hmm. does he, I mean, why? Are, is it because they're filming? I would assume so. But then why did he stop and pick him up? Or did he not stop to pick him up? Did he stop and Cameron just got in the car and he was like, you... I don't S-O-D. really know if it's explained other than at the point later in the film where Eli talks about like movie magic yeah. and like making things look not how they actually look or how they actually are. Okay. And so you can see in that shot, we'll talk about it later again, but a car just kind of goes straight down the bridge and never stops. Okay. So it's just one of those things that in the world of the film doesn't totally need to make sense because I feel like the conventions they set up more than cover for it. But a lot so, of people don't feel that way. Yeah, so maybe I just was confused because he turns the car around and comes back to run him over. Yeah. But maybe that was just Steve Rail, Railsback's view. Yeah. Maybe he was just getting the shot and he wasn't going to run him over. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, I maybe I just maybe I'm a sucker and I bought into the movie convention that that he was going to get killed. Yeah. And, uh, and so I anyway I I just I, I thought it was never explained why the guy threw him out of the car and then tried to kill him. But mm-hmm. maybe it's just that. Who knows? I mean, whatever. And I guess it's not that important, but if it, if it, I just wish they had touched on that a little more. Yeah. There are a lot of things that upon first viewing or even second viewing just don't really get cleared up. Okay. Um, That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need clarity in this life. That happens happens a lot. Um, Every day. Another small scene. Eli is prepping Nina for a scene. She's going to do it at a gravesite. Sam comes in and wants to add this, like, Weird brass, like, so, bear having sex with a woman on a swing thing. Yeah, again, this is a hard movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to have this object that meant... So the uh, Barbara Hershey is playing a woman whose lover has died. Mm-hmm. She's at the gravesite. She's an old woman again. And they cut, and they want to add an object that, like, meant something to them. And it's this little brass statue of a woman on a swing and a bear standing in front of the swing, sort of receiving her yeah i'll say that and it's, it's very, like a victorian thing very sexual it's this old victorian statue but it, it meant a lot to those characters so she has that at the grave now but again it's just a weird thing it's, mm-hmm. it just it's very odd 
choice. Yeah, it comes back later. It does. Um, Cameron is back with his hairdresser, and this is where he finds out that Nina and Eli actually had sex before, that they had a thing going. Um, he thinks it's actually worse than it is, which you learn later, but the hairdresser kind of spills the beans and then she apologizes for it, but she probably didn't. She probably did it on purpose. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to that scene where we're talking about where Jake wants to see the footage, the, like the leader of the cops, the commissioner or whatever. Wants the the footage see, of the original car crash. Yeah. He wants to see the car crash where Bert died. They're still looking for Cameron. They're trying to find all the evidence. So Eli and Cameron walk in and uh, they they sit down and watch it, and you can see like a continuous shot of the bridge, and then Cameron isn't on the bridge, and then the car goes off, and then the FBI is like, okay, well, nothing happened, nothing there, All right, cool. Um, and so they Eli and Cameron leave because it was in between shots, and Eli says, I have to go, you know, there's like sixty people getting paid to do nothing right now, so I have to go film something. And he gives Eli or he gives Cameron a book and it's like how to escape from a car mm-hmm. by these Dutch guys. Not really important, but yeah. but they but you you didn't mention that they reshot that sequence for the cop. Did they reshoot it? I yeah. thought that he just no, because he was saying like he earlier in the film he talked about King Kong and how King Kong was actually three foot six or whatever. And so he was saying that he cut it to make it look the way that it did because he said in another clip that I have, I'm driving the car and you're falling off a bridge or stuff like that. Like he's mm. saying that he can edit a film in any way that he wants to make it look exactly All how right. he wants. So I heard him make, uh, say a line about movie magic, and I, I thought he was just being Eli Cross and kind of not gonna adri- not talk about it and just mm-hmm. walk away. So I assume they just went out, unbeknownst to Cameron, and reshot the sequence so they could show it to the cop. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing. They edited it so he wasn't there. So okay, I yeah. mi- I miss I missed that. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. If you can't tell, this film is actually very hard to talk about. You yeah. kind of have to watch it. But that's why you should watch it. That's why you should watch it. talking about it, and you have no idea what's going on. Right <laughs> I think they're getting somewhat the gist. Um, so Cameron is, he gets like locked behind a gate. Like Eli closes a gate behind him, so it's kind of his face pressed up against the gate. And he talks about how a friend of his in the war stepped on a bouncing Betty mine. And he's like, it's kind of just a metaphor, I guess, for him, like his internal, because he says, like, my friend stepped on it, but it's not trouble until you step off of the bomb, because then everything explodes. So he just had to stand there for yeah, however long. So he's telling Eli, like, hey, you're messing with the wrong dude, I guess, because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to explode. <laughs> right. Um, and then they go into another... Um, shot of the movie where like this tank is following Cameron through this town this like German town looks like and it's a little bit of a chase scene this tank is kind of just it keeps following him and you can see Eli is shooting him uh, or the people behind him are shooting him and Eli is watching all of a sudden you hear cut and then oh yeah this was a good scene yeah Eli is really confused as to why he said cut so he turns around he says how many feeder in that film he asked the actual person manning the mm-hmm. yeah the uh the camera he says oh there's 32 feet and that's apparently 22 seconds in the film that they had and so eli has this like impassioned monologue about like in 22 seconds i could like rip your head off or fill you full of bullets to, to the stuff. man who said cut some, yeah some guy yeah this guy says cut because i guess he's afraid i don't know why he said it he, he, he said afraid. cut because he thought they were going to run out of film and they had the shot Okay. 
but I Eli thought I thought he cut. I thought he he assumed it was getting out of control because it, which led me to to sort of more buy into the fact that Eli's crazy. This tank is going to run over Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, a serious sequence. So this guy yells "cut!" I thought out of fear, and Eli rips into him, and it's a really good Peter O'Toole monologue mm-hmm. about how I can yeah in twenty two seconds I could do all these things to you, and it's it's pretty evil. Yeah, um, but it's good. It lets you see sort of his um his true self kind of for the first time Mm -hmm. yeah well he he also says um the guy who cut says we can't do anything in 22 seconds yeah and that's why that's why he does that's why eli gets mad uh so it it cuts to the next scene and they're like it's cameron and nina and sam sam is the screenwriter yes they're in a hotel room and they're doing a scene, I guess, because Eli wanted them to add a scene. So I guess they're like improving some sort of scene or something. And so Sam is writing. I still don't know exactly what that scene is about. I don't either. There's a few of those that I don't. I don't. They know. have some dialogue that you think is important, and it's just background, and it it doesn't mm-hmm. really do much. Yeah. So um, Nina says something that Cameron catches on to, and so he basically says, "Like, uh, did you?" Something about effing the scene or like effing the director. I don't. I don't remember that. Yeah, he he like he confronts her. Basically, he says like, "Oh, oh, he's mad." Yeah, yeah. He he's he's all pissy about it every mm-hmm. time they're together, and then he finally confronts her and says, "You slept with Eli." Yeah, yeah. And then she gets sad and says, "Well, that's how all little girls get in the movies." And she has like a tear in her eyes, and then like leaves the apartment. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a sore spot for her. Sam, the screenwriter, says, like, hey, I'm best friends with Eli, so I know their backstory. And so he tells them they only had sex twice. They weren't really, like, compatible as lovers. But they're friends. friends. They're close. So don't be worried about it. And he tells that really weird story about having sex with some girl in Guatemala (laughs) who was blind in one eye. Another part of this movie that makes me just say, what? Well, because he asks, like, was she supposed to be a virgin? Yeah. And then Cameron says, yeah. Like, he kind of says, but yeah. But still, it's just like, why? why? It doesn't advance the plot. I don't know. I guess it was just an allegory for him to, like... <laughs> but see, this is a thing that Richard Rush does. Like, it's so self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. He He's sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is great. The director... <laughs> This is a brilliant scene, and we're going. What? What? Richard? What? Are you, what is this? Is this from the book? And we don't know it, Richard. Maybe Richard rushes Eli. He, I think he kind of is, but whatever. Um, Cameron goes to a bar in the area. After that, he's like down on his spirits, so he goes to have a drink. You see the DP earlier that cut the scene and got strangled by Eli. And he's drunk and he kind of spills his heart a little bit and says that he also got strangled for cutting the Burt film short when he was dying. And Eli wanted him to keep rolling the film because he wanted that footage, I guess. Yeah, and and I think he feels guilty that this guy died and they're covering it up. Yeah, definitely. He starts crying, he freaks out. Mm-hmm. Which, again, maybe you'll go somewhere with this, but that scene didn't do anything. Well, it's just establishing how bad of a person I guess so. Eli is, but yeah. everyone thinks he's great. Yeah, okay. Um, and then the next scene is um, going through some dailies, but Nina's parents are there this time. <laughs> yes. And Eli is running which scenes they're seeing, and so they showed a scene of her like giving like a really impassioned scene so that the family's all proud of their daughter. And then he says, let's go ahead and see the next couple of clips we have. And it ends up being like this 
sex scene with her and this other guy. So it's just like her naked body on this yeah, bed. Fully nude and her sweet like Midwestern parents are horrified. And, yeah. And yeah. and the guy next to Eli is like, hey, should we stop this? Because her parents are here and it's kind of awkward. And he's like, no, let them let them see this. So again, just another scene to let you know how creepy Eli is. That's all it is. Well, that he's manipulating people. Because yeah. you'll see in the scene after this why he did that. But he, so he keeps the clip running there's some really nice shots of the parents' hands being like clenched yeah, together. Clasped, like, they're just horrified and yeah. Yeah. So it's obvious they're doing it. And so they cut to the next scene and um, Eli's prepping Nina for this shot where she's supposed to feel shame. And she's like, hey, my, my parents are here. It's kind of an awkward scene. I'm just going to say bye to them and they can leave. And then he tells her, he's like, hey, just there was like a little malfunction in the screen room earlier today. So your parents saw right, the scene of right. you naked in the in the attic. Right. And then he says, right, shame. Shame. And then he leaves okay. and then she's crying and they start filming. Yeah. So it's it's there to show how manipulative he is yeah. with people's emotions, what he'll do to get the shot that he needs. He's a shady dude. He is shady. Um, Nina and Cameron are laying in bed. Uh, she wonders why Eli would do that because he's not that kind of guy. She's still like torn. She's like, why would he do that to me if he loves me so much and he's my friend? And Cameron's like, he's crazy. Like he's trying to kill me. He believes he's trying to kill him. Yeah. Yes. And she's, she starts to kind of like, she starts to kind of see that side of Eli and she starts to kind of agree with him. But they go down, they're going to leave. They're going to run away together. But the garage is locked. Yeah, they're scared. They try to get in this car, and the, the garage is locked because at this point, Cameron fears for his life. He, again, he's paranoid, mm-hmm. and she agrees with him to, to leave. She's upset with Eli. They mm-hmm. try to leave, and the garage is locked, and there's this cop who shows up, and he's like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? There's, oh, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And we, we come to find out that Eli has this garage locked after a certain point, and there's, no, there's a curfew. You cannot leave. Uh, again, showing how far-reaching his grasp is on everybody. They sort of try to argue and use her status like I'm mm-hmm. you can't you tell me I can't go out for a drive and so he's like I can wake Eli up and they're like no it's fine so mm-hmm. they come up with this elaborate plan for her to get in the trunk of a car and the next morning they will shoot the stunt mm-hmm. uh, Cameron will escape from the car and get her out of the trunk and they will run away yeah unfortunately we actually missed a scene right before oh, that um where Chuck is prepping him for the scene. He tells him there's like an oxygen tank kind of the, right. the thing. The car that's all Yeah, they're, they're prepping him to do it, to fill it, uh, to film the scene that Bert died in. Um, and then there's actually a scene in the prop studio where Nina confronts Cameron about what he did. And we learn that he actually like didn't kill a cop, but he, yeah. he came back from the war and he had a friend that was supposed to... Uh, open like an ice cream parlor with him and then he ended up not following through on that because he was having sex with Cameron's fiance who he was supposed to get married to and it's kind of him talking about how people treated him differently um, after he came back from the war and he gets really upset and starts throwing stuff around in this prop studio and <laughs> explains how he like hit this cop in the face and his head landed in this like freezer and like his nose and his ear froze off and all this stuff and and Nina starts laughing. And yeah, because like, he not... slips and there's paint going everywhere and he's all upset. And she laughs at him. She laughs at him. He's like, it's not funny. I killed this this person. And she still keeps laughing. And then, yeah. and then it's the scene where they try to leave. Okay. Um, and it's actually really nice at the end of that scene where they do a little bit of thematic like tying up where he's like, you know, it's funny that people write 
the movies this way, but if they just changed one thing, like I wouldn't have to do this scene. I could just go and live my life. Yeah, he really wants out of it. Yeah. It's it's bad. Yeah. And so that also is like more of Eli's omnipotence, like he controls everything. And so he's saying if Eli would just change the scene, I wouldn't have to do this and I could live. Um so we got we got through all that. Um and then, yeah, so this is the exact quote. I'm beginning to feel like something Sam wrote. I'm not real. I'm some jerk flyer from a World War I who's got, off, who's got to go off a bridge and die because some script says so. If they just ripped out that page, I'd be fine. Yeah. So that's, that's really kind of the line about this whole movie. Like, he's not in control of his fate. Eli controls everything. The people who write the script control everything. Um... Nina closes herself on the trunk, like you said, uh, and then the crew preps for the shot the next day, and Eli tells everyone, hey, don't stop shooting this time. Like, keep everything going. <laughs> this will be a perfect shot, yeah. yeah. And that's also important. They have this car, this old car, and they have one, basically one take with this car. And mm-hmm. um, It's called like a go- Goosenberg? Goose- I forgot. I forgot. But there's another godlike moment where Eli stands on the bridge and says, you know, I I claim that no clouds will pass in front of the you know the the shot will be perfect and everyone kind of mm-hmm. laughs but it's just adding into that god um that god factor there that he believes mm-hmm. that he is sort of the god of cinema. Yeah. Um Cameron like goes like he's going to open the back of the trunk and then in a nice exchange Raymond comes up. I don't know how he knew, but then you kind of learn later that he knew. Yeah. But he says, "Hey, don't worry about it. If she's in there, she loves you and if she's not, then it never mattered anyway." Right. So just trust that she's waiting. Mm-hmm. She's apparently been in there overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so don't you don't need to check if she's in there, if she loves you. If not, just go on with your life. Yeah. So they're prepping him for the shot. There's a guy explaining, hey, there's a light in here. If it's on, it means it's filming. So don't look back at the camera. And he's like, did you hear me? Keep, he keeps testing it. And, and Cameron's like in the car, like fidgeting, like freaking out, kind of looking at everyone. And Chuck comes by and is like, hey, uh, get ready to go or whatever. And then he like starts the car and just starts going. Yeah, he, he's freaking out. He tries to escape. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's going through this plan. Yeah. But before they are even filming, he decides he kind of gets the jitters and takes off. Yeah. So he takes off and uh, it's just like a tracking shot of the car following it down this winding road. It goes on the bridge. And he's like, ha-ha, Eli, I got you, whatever he says, like, F you, Eli. And then you see this finger on a trigger, and you're like, oh, crap, something's about to happen. <laughs> and then somebody on the squad, like, presses blows, the button, blows the, the tires the tire. on the car pop. Which then, we, we knew was going to happen, though, right? I mean, we knew the stunt was, well, the, they're, they're filming the sequence, the car needs to go off the bridge. Yeah. They've decided that. Yeah. Based on what happened originally. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought that was right. I just thought maybe... Steve didn't think about I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I thought he was going to get away at first. Honestly. Okay. See, I thought he knew he had to go off the bridge. Mm-hmm. And then, but again, th- this movie, no, uh, it's interesting was, that we both had a different view of what was happening, I guess. Yeah. He was trying to... Just like, drive away. Yeah. He, was, he thought he was taking control, but then yeah. he realized he didn't have any control. Right, right. Ever. So the tire gets blown. He swerves off, goes into the water. Goes in the water. The car is sinking... He's like he goes back in the back seat and is like Nina no she's in the trunk she's gonna die but he looks out the back window of the car <laughs> and can see Nina and Eli on the bridge watching him looking down from the bridge which was like when I saw that I was like whoa 
Yeah. Dang. Yeah. They got him good. She wasn't in the car at all. And then you just start to hurt for the guy. Yeah. Like, man, you've been through it. Uh This director has screwed with you. Mm -hmm. Bad, like bad, bad, bad. And so So, he he starts freaking out and then opens the window and just gets out. Gets out. Gets out, comes to the top. I thought he was going to die for a minute. I thought he was going to accept his fate and just end it and drown, but he... He escapes. That would have been very poetic. But he, he gets out. He swims towards shore. All these Germans come and get him, and they're, like, shaking him and, like, saying all this stuff in German, and then you're cut. But another sequence where you think they're going to kill him. You mm-hmm. st- this movie makes you think that Eli is out to kill this guy. Yeah. As he comes up on the shore, this, like, band of Germans with ba- their rifles and bayonets is approaching him in a semicircle, and you think they're just going to walk up and stab him. And they get there, and then they start laughing and pick him up, and ha, 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 and it's cut. Mm-hmm. And you're, and then he's really shaken. He's like so confused. Just, and then he starts to laugh because he's totally nuts. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, um, then we start coming towards the end of the film. Um, Eli cuts, and then they capture him. Like we said, he looks stunned. He just starts like laughing, like because yeah. he's like so out of it that he just starts like laughing out loud. He sees Chuck coming in, which is hilarious. I think that he like hit the side of the thing on this jet ski and like, did you see him oh, like yeah. tumble? Oh yeah, he t- totally crashed. And I then feel they like cut. that wasn't it, supposed to be It was an it. accident. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Chuck is like, I will talk about this at the end in my final thought wrap up, but he he rolls up on this weird old school jet ski because mm-hmm. he's there's a river and and yeah, he totally crashed. He bites it and they yeah. cut away and then he's, he's walks he's up. He's too smooth in the film yeah. for that to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. It is... So it's a bad mistake if it is a mistake, but yeah. man, it's, who knows? I, I did laugh at that point. Another mind game. Um, so and then Cameron can see divers coming out of the water. So he's like, "I was safe the entire." They were time. there the whole time. Yeah. So he was always being watched over. Yeah. He just always thought that he was being trying to be killed. Um, and then you see uh, Nina come out. She's supposed to be filming a scene where there's all this mud. And she's like, "I can't come to you because I got to film a scene." but I love you and you're amazing and bye. And so she walks away, but then she comes back and runs through the mud. And yeah, she, like, she doesn't want to get her dress dirty. Yeah, but, mud. but then but, she does. She does. Embraces him, you know, true love. True love. True love. Uh, then she leaves and um, Cameron says, hey, to Eli, you're going to give me my $1,000. Oh, well, she also explains about five minutes after she got in the trunk, someone found her. So she had to go. Oh, out. yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, because I was like, this is cold. Like she yeah. messed with him. And, she, and so she tells him, she's like, I was hiding and they got me out. Someone found me. And so I had to get out. Mm-hmm. So she didn't just leave. She, she had to. Yeah. But anyway, good point. Good point. Um, also, um, Chuck put like a blanket around Cameron, Cameron. and then Eli comes behind him on his crane. <laughs> Drops a very comedic, like kind of scene. Like he just, you see his feet slowly come in yeah. and like he's behind him and he says, how, yeah, it's very odd. It's, <laughs> he's weird. He said he always had compassion for his people because he looks, I guess, like a Native American because yeah, of the blanket. The, the blanket. He looks like Windwalker. Yeah, exactly. Just like Windwalker. Um, and so they just have a conversation about all the stuff that happened. And Cameron is like, you were really looking out for me, all that stuff. And then he says, you know, how am I going to get my $1,000? And then he says that's the hardest $1,000 I've ever oh, earned. Yeah. Hardest $1,000 I ever earned. And then and there's just like some small talk really mm-hmm. there's not really much they don't really wrap up anything or like explain anything it's just yeah. some small back and forth Eli's leaving and he turns around and he says uh who told you you were making a thousand dollars it's supposed to be 650 yeah and then uh Cameron gets all mad and he's like Chuck told me it was a thousand dollars 
you insulted me again. I'm so mad at you. And then Eli's like, let's just make it 750, split the difference. And then he gets in the helicopter and leaves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then uh, and then he just flies and Cameron throws <laughs> some dirt at the helicopter. And then... Uh, <laughs> and the movie's over. And it's over. The so He goes through this emotional thing. And then at the end of the movie is just this odd, like playground fight over money mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie yeah. i just was so i was laughing at this point and this is my opinion mm-hmm. and how bad it was <laughs> not not the movie just this yeah but but then you think about it and you're like I th- this is what they wanted to do obviously this is how they end the movie well i think it was eli's like exploitative nature right yeah i mean it's it's just an it's another like in, insult to injury mm-hmm. right but the end of the movie is just he freaks out and he wants a thousand dollars. I mean, I, I understand. I guess he's been through a lot, but like, it just mm-hmm. felt like an odd way to. I mean, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, Eli well, flies he, away. He flies away, but Cameron's going to stick with him. He's going to the next filming location. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I he's still so. part of the crew. So I think it was just like a friendly kind of back and forth. But so. did you stay through the credits? No. Uh, there's actually a line in the credits, like the, it freeze frames, and you can hear Eli on the walkie-talkie saying, "Sam, rewrite the opening reel. Crushed a little bastard in the first act." Hmm, I didn't, I didn't. Interesting, because yeah. then you think back to Bert dying in the mm-hmm. first act. Really interesting. Ooh, trippy, Ooh. cool, <laughs> cool, <laughs> I think Richard cool. Rush. You're so cool. I think it's cool, <laughs> since you're so passionate about your oh, man. vehemence for this movie. Go ahead and give me your review. All right. So here's my review. I, I want to touch on a few uh, IMDb, re, IMDb <laughs> review titles that I was reading. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you my review. All a right. true original comedy that wouldn't get made today. Uh, no, it isn't. The art and artifice of filmmaking. The art and artifice of filmmaking, Matt. <laughs> the best film of the 1980s. That one was extreme. One of the best films ever. And then quite possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so reviews are all over the place. People are going to say to me, Gabe, you just don't get it, man. You just mm-hmm. missed the point. I, I, but I disagree with you. I don't think you can say that. I totally understand what this movie's trying to do. It's all about reality versus illusion. It's about the way that we see the world. It's about paranoia. It's about a lot of things. It's, it's trying to say a lot of things. I get it. I just don't think it did it very well. That's my thing. It's a good exercise but to me the movie comes off this this was like a movie that my intro to film professor would have made our class watch in college like one of those just offbeat movies you've never heard of and your pretentious film professor thinks it's incredible and he's right and you're wrong and if you don't get it then you're stupid it it it, it looks like a master's thesis of like a master's film student that just was like he got a b on mm-hmm. like it's just not I understand, again, it's deep. It has a deep script. It's, I guess it has a deep script. I don't know. Um, it just, it, visually, it looks like it was made in 1970. It looks like a made-for-TV movie. And maybe that's because we're spoiled and we live in 2017 and there's, you know, we're watching 4K TV or whatever and it's just every movie back then is, looks bad. Yeah. Um, it is not a comedy. It is not a comedy. I don't know why people say that. I don't know why it's reviewed that way. It's not funny. One of the funniest things in the movie, though, one of the only funny things and the random things that aren't supposed to be funny, every time it shows the German soldiers 
when they're not filming this movie inside the movie, they're always huddled together running somewhere going, hup, 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 <laughs> even off camera. Yeah. And I thought that was funny, but it has nothing to do with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think the blurred lines get annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was pretentious. Uh, the, 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 the device they use where they're filming a scene, they cut and you think you're in the same scene and then it, someone wakes up and there's, it's like that, it's like a dream sequence in a movie. They're, they, they're dreaming and then they cut and the person gets, you know, stabbed in the stomach and then it cuts to their face and they're like, <gasps> mm-hmm. and they're in bed. Ooh, it's so creative. And like, yeah, it's cool. But this movie does that like five times. Mm-hmm. And after the first two times, it just gets annoying. I just don't, it's not done well. Um, Richard Rush thinks this movie is a masterpiece. I just don't think it is. I think mm-hmm. it's very, very strange. I think even after you're in on the bit, you're in on the gag, it's just an odd movie. Like, mm-hmm. apart from everything we touched on, it's just so weird. And we can't talk about it because it's it would take forever. But it's so weird. Um, Railsbeck is either great or terrible. <laughs> I don't know. He came off as very, to use a safe word here, he seemed very slow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a choice. I watched clips of him in other movies, and he's really good. And Helter Skelter, he did Charlie Manson really well. But he's just, he seems very slow and goofy to me, and I did not like him. He's whatever. Um... Anyway, I thought this was an overthought, zany film. It tries to impress you with how ridiculous it is. And I think it's pretentious. I know that you think it knows it's pretentious, but I don't, I don't think it knows that. Mm-hmm. I think the character of Eli is pretentious. His movie's pretentious. But I think Richard Rush is very pretentious. I give this a, my rating, 1.5 forward rolls out of five (laughs) because that's a nice stuntman move there there were some good forward roles in this movie yeah so i'm sorry i know that's low but 1.5 and i need Mm -hmm. to watch it again Mm -hmm. and i will maybe change it to a higher rating but until then not for me yeah i i don't disagree with all of your points i think that there are some glaring issues with the scripts and the execution i i don't think it's a masterpiece but i also don't think it's garbage I think that Peter O'Toole was fantastic in this movie and is probably a large chunk of the reason why I found a lot of scenes interesting. Yes. I do think Railsbeck is good. I see him getting flack online. I think that he played this character well. I think that he played it the way it was intended to be. He's altogether like paranoid and he is also like very cautious, but he's in love and like he plays all these different emotions and in he seems like somebody that would have come back from a war and have been really messed up. So I'll say that up front. I also like Nina's perform or uh, Barbara Hershey's performance as Nina. Um, I, I, I do think the film is self-aware. I do think it is a satire. I do think that the theme of Eli being God and controlling all these people is very interesting. I think you can get that also in the poster for the film, which is very good. It's the devil with yes. the, the, like the, the crane and the, the camera. Really cool. Please check out the poster. Yeah. That's the best part of this movie. It's a cool poster. I'm going to put it on our blog, yes. com. Beautiful. Um, so all that, I love the soundtrack. I thought that it had the right amount of like lightness for this movie because like you said, it's not necessarily, I think, a pure comedy, but it's also not a drama. It's somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. It just, it kind of falls in like no man's land, which makes it more interesting to me because... Especially now, I feel like you're one or the other at this point in cinema. Yeah, so it's, it's like, all over the place, just like the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the script. I felt like it sagged a little bit in like the second act. But also, I get why they wanted to really establish how evil Eli, Eli was. And they wanted to show off these stunts. 
Um, I think that it is worth a watch, even if you don't like it. I think you'll come away, maybe not impressed with some of the stuff that happens, but at least like I think you can respect kind of the ideas behind the film. I think it was better than Foxes, so I have to make my mm, right. my my score above Foxes. So I'm going to give this uh, 3.5 scarred parents out of five. <laughs> All right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All so we right. differed a lot on this one. Yeah, we but, did. But like we said in the beginning, very divisive film. It is. Just I read the reviews. Think you're gonna like it or you're gonna hate it. But I recommend watching it. Like we said, it's on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it is good. I, I need to watch it again. There's things about it I definitely pre- appreciate, but you'll pick up on new things. I promise. Okay. It is. It is confusing mm-hmm. the first time you watch it, though. It's hard to follow. Don't please don't sit down and watch this movie and be. See, I was a little bit misled because of mm-hmm. the visual. It looks old and cheesy. Yeah. And so I thought it wasn't going to take a lot of work, but I was very wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to really watch and listen, otherwise you'll you'll just be lost. So agreed. Well, that was our. Review of the stuntman. Yeah, yeah, boy. So, anything you can think of to plug? Uh, so again, social media, mm-hmm. um, Twitter. We are at Rewind Cinema Pod. Gmail mm-hmm. Rewind Cinema Podcast at Gmail dot com. Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Rewind Cinema. Just search for us. We're we have a website rewindcinema.com. dot com. Yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. And next week, Google Play. Mm-hmm. Special episode. Special episode. Bonus episode. episode. Yeah, we're going to take a break from 1980 for one episode and watch. Uh, we, we have a special guest, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Someone will be on the show with us. And we're going to review a movie of the guest's choice. So mm-hmm. um, we will tell you what that... No, we should just tell them now. Oh, okay. It's Wake and Fright. Okay. <laughs> we'll tell you now. Um, Wake and Fright. It's on voodoo.com. V-U-D-U.com for free with ads, but it's free. Yeah. Australian film um, that's sort of known, again, sort of a cult movie, but uh, we're really excited to watch it. It looks crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And our guest is very passionate about the movie. He, <laughs> yes. he likes it, so he's going to give us his opinions. He's a movie buff, so yeah. very excited to have him on. Um, yeah, that's really all I, all I can think of. What is our next movie on? I think it's My Bodyguard. Uh, I have this literally <laughs> in front of me here. Uh, you're right. Episode 8, My Bodyguard. My Bodyguard. We'll probably talk about it again at the end of the next one. Um, but another 1980, I think, feel-good movie. Yes, and we have some good other stuff coming up. Some We do. Some big action movies and some dramas and some comedies. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be good. So. All right. Well, if you can't think of anything else to say, until next time, watch more movies. Bye.